0: Volume 3, Chapter 1, Part 1 of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Candace Stelic, Dallas, Texas. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Volume 3, Chapter 1, Part 1. Going into exile after a long sleepless night of tossing to and fro vixen rose with the first stir of life in the old house and made herself ready to face the bleak hard world her meditations of the night had brought no new light to her mind it was very clear to her that she must go away as far as possible from her old home her banishment was necessary for everybody's sake for the sake of rory who must behave like a man of honor and keep his engagement with lady mabel and shut his old playfellow out of his heart for the sake of mrs winstanley who could never be happy while there was discord in her home and last of all for violet herself who felt that joy and peace had fled from the abbey house forever and that it would be better to be anywhere in the coldest strangest region of this wide earth verily friendless and alone among strange faces than here among friends who were but friends in name and among scenes that were haunted with the ghosts of dead joys she went round the gardens and shrubberies in the early morning looking sadly at everything as if she were bidding the trees and flowers a long farewell the rhododendron thickets were shining with dew the grassy tracks in that wilderness of verdure were wet and cold under vixen's feet She wandered in and out among the groups of wild growing shrubs, rising one above another to the height of forest trees, and then she went out by the old five-barred gate, which Titmouse used to jump so merrily, and rambled in the plantation till the sun was high, and the pines began to breathe forth their incense as the day-god warmed them into life. It was half-past eight, nine was the hour for breakfast a meal at which, during the squire's time, the fragile Pamela had rarely appeared, but which, under the present regime, she generally graced with her presence. Captain Winstanley was an early riser, and was not sparing in his contempt for sluggish habits. Vixen had made up her mind never again to sit at meat with her stepfather, so she went straight to her own den and told Phoebe to bring her a cup of tea i don't want anything else she said wearily when the girl suggested a more substantial breakfast i should like to see mamma presently do you know if she has gone down no miss mrs winstanley is not very well this morning pauline has taken her up a cup of tea vixen sat idly by the open window sipping her tea and caressing argus's big head with a listless hand waiting for the next stroke of fate she was sorry for her mother but had no wish to see her what could they say to each other they whose thoughts and feelings were so wide apart presently phoebe came in with a little three-cornered note written in pencil pauline asked me to give you this from your ma miss the note was brief written in short gasps with dashes between them i feel too crushed and ill to see you i have told conrad what you wish he is all goodness he will tell you what we have decided Try to be worthier of his kindness, poor misguided child. He will see you in his study directly after breakfast. Pray control your unhappy temper. His study, indeed, ejaculated Vixen, tearing up the little note and scattering its perfume fragments on the breeze. My father's room, which he has usurped. I think I hate him just a little worse in that room than anywhere else, though that would seem hardly possible when I hate him so cordially everywhere. She went to the looking-glass and surveyed herself proudly as she smoothed her shining hair, resolved that he could see no indication of trouble or contrition in her face. She was very pale, but her tears of last night had left no traces. There was a steadiness in her look that befitted an encounter with an enemy. A message came from the captain while she was standing before her glass, tying a crimson ribbon under the collar of her white morning dress would she please to go to captain winstanley in the study she went without an instant's delay walked quietly into the room and stood before him silently as he sat at his desk writing good morning miss tempest he said looking up at her with his blandest air sit down if you please i want to have a chat with you vixen seated herself in her father's large crimson morocco chair she was looking round the room absently dreamily quite disregarding the captain the dear old room was full of sadly sweet associations for the moment she forgot the existence of her foe his cold level tones recalled her thoughts from the lamented past to the bitter present your mother informs me that you wish to leave the abbey house he began and she has empowered me to arrange a suitable home for you elsewhere i entirely concur in your opinion that your absence from Hampshire for the next year or so will be advantageous to yourself and others. You and Mr. Vaudrey have contrived to get yourselves unpleasantly talked about in the neighborhood. Any further scandal may possibly be prevented by your departure. It is not on that account I wish to leave home, said Vixen proudly. I am not afraid of scandal if the people hereabouts are so wicked that they cannot see me riding by the side of an old friend for two or three days running without thinking evil of him and me i am sorry for them but i certainly should not regulate my life to please them the reason i wish to leave the abbey house is that i am miserable here and have been ever since you entered it as its master we may as well deal frankly with each other in this matter you confessed last night that you hated me i acknowledge to-day that i have hated you ever since i first saw you it was an instinct we need not discuss that answered the captain calmly he had let passion master him last night but he had himself well in hand to-day she might be as provoking as she pleased but she should not provoke him to betray himself as he had done last night he detested himself for that weak outbreak of passion have you arranged with my mother for my leaving home inquired vixen yes it is all settled then i'll write at once to miss mccroak i know she will leave the people she is with to travel with me miss mccroak has nothing to do with the question you roaming about the world with a superannuated governess would be too preposterous i am going to take you to jersey by this evening's boat I have an aunt living there who has a fine old manor house and who will be happy to take charge of you. She is a maiden lady, a woman of superior cultivation, who devotes herself wholly to intellectual pursuits. Her refining influence will be value to you. The island is lovely, the climate delicious. You could not be better off than you will be at Les Turrails. I am not going to Jersey, and I am not going to your intellectual aunt, said Vixen resolutely i beg your pardon you are going and immediately your mother and i have settled the matter between us you have expressed a wish to leave home and you will be pleased to go where we think proper you had better tell phoebe to pack your trunks we shall leave here at ten o'clock in the evening the boat starts from southampton at midnight vixen felt herself conquered she had stated her wish and it was granted not in the mode and manner she had desired but perhaps she ought to be grateful for release from a home that had become loathsome to her and not take objection to details in the scheme of her exile to go away quite away and immediately was the grand point to fly before she saw rory again heaven knows how weak i might be if he were to talk to me again as he talked last night she said to herself i might not be able to bear it a second time oh rory if you knew what it cost me to cancel you wisely to bid you do your duty when the vision of a happy life with you was smiling at me all the time when the warm grasp of your dear hand made my heart thrill with joy what a heroine you would think me and yet nobody will ever give me credit for heroism and I shall be remembered only as a self-willed young woman who was troublesome to her relations and had to be sent away from home. She was thinking this while she sat in her father's chair, deliberating upon the captain's last speech. She decided, presently, to yield and obey her mother and stepfather. After all, what did it matter where she went? That scheme of being happy in Sweden with Miss McCroak was but an idle fancy, in the depths of her inner consciousness violet tempest knew that she could be happy nowhere away from rory and the forest what did it matter then whether she went to jersey or kamchatka the sandy desert of gobi or the mountains of the moon in either case exile meant moral death the complete renunciation of all that had been sweet and precious in her uneventful young life the shadowy beech groves, the wandering streams, the hearthy upland plains, the deep ferny hollows where the footsteps of humanity were almost unknown, the cluster of tall trees on the hilltops where the herons came sailing home from their flight across Southampton water, her childhood's companion, her horse, her old servants. Banishment meant a long farewell to all these. I suppose I may take my dog with me she asked after a long pause during which she had wavered between submission and revolt and my maid i see no objection to your taking your dog though i doubt whether my aunt will care to have a dog of that size prowling about her house he can have a kennel somewhere i dare say you must learn to do without a maid feminine helplessness is going out of fashion and one would expect an amazon like you to be independent of ladies maids and milliners "'Why don't you state the case in plain English?' cried Vixen scornfully. "'If I took Phoebe with me, she would cost money. There would be her wages and maintenance to be provided. If I leave her behind, you can dismiss her. You have a fancy for dismissing old servants.' "'Had you not better see to the packing of your trunks?' asked Captain Winstanley, ignoring this shaft. "'What is to become of my horse?' I think you must resign yourself to leave him to fate and me, replied the captain coolly. My aunt may submit to the infliction of your dog, but that she should tolerate a young lady's roaming about the island on a thoroughbred horse would be rather too much to expect from her old-fashioned notions of propriety. Besides, even Arian would cost something to keep, retorted Vixen, and strict economy is the rule of your life. If you sell him, and, of course, you will do so, please let lord mallow have the refusal of him i think he would buy him and treat him kindly for my sake wouldn't you rather mr vaudrey had him yes if i were free to give him away but i suppose you would deny my right of property even in the horse my father gave me well, as the horse was not specified in your father's will, and as all his horses and carriages were left to your mother, I think there cannot be any doubt that Arian is my wife's property. Why not say your property? Why give unnatural prominence to a cipher? Do you think I hold my poor mother to blame for any wrong that is done to me or to others in this house? No, Captain Winstanley, I have no resentment against my mother. She is a blameless nullity dressed in the latest fashion. Go and pack your boxes, cried the captain angrily. Do you want to raise the devil that was raised last night? Do you want another conflagration? It might be a worse one this time i have had a night of fever and unrest am i to blame for that yes you beautiful fury it was your image kept me awake i shall sleep sounder when you are out of this house i shall be ready to start at ten o'clock said vixen in a business-like tone which curiously contrasted this sudden gust of passion on the part of her foe and humiliated him to the dust he loathed himself for having let her see her power to hurt him She left him and went straight upstairs to her room and gave Phoebe directions about the packing of her portmanteau with no more outward semblance of emotion than she might have shown had she been starting on a round of pleasant visits under the happiest circumstances. The faithful Phoebe began to cry when she heard that Miss Tempest was going away for a long time and that she was not to go with her and poor Vixen had to console her maid instead of brooding upon her own griefs. "'Never mind, Phoebe,' she said. "'It is as hard for me to lose you as it is for you to lose me. "'I shall never forget what a devoted little thing you have been "'and all the muddy habits you have brushed without a murmur. "'A few years hence I shall be my own mistress and have plenty of money, "'and then, wherever I may be, you shall come to me. "'If you are married, you shall be my housekeeper.' and your husband shall be my butler and your children shall run wild about the place and be made as much of as the litter of young foxes bates reared in a corner of the stable-yard when mr vaudry was at eton oh miss i don't want no husband nor no children i only want you for my missis and when you come of age will you live here miss no phoebe the abbey house will belong to mamma all her life "'Poor mamma, may it be long before the dear old house comes to me. "'But when I am of age and my own mistress, "'I shall find a place somewhere in the forest. "'You may be sure of that, Phoebe.' "'Phoebe dried her honest tears and made haste with the packing, "'believing that Miss Tempest was leaving home for her own pleasure "'and that she, Phoebe, was the only victim of adverse fate. "'The day wore on quickly, though it was laden with sorrow.' Vixen had a great deal to do in her den. Papers to look over, old letters, pen and ink sketches, and scribblings of all kinds to destroy, books and photographs to pack. There were certain things she could not leave behind her. Then there was a melancholy hour to spend in the stable, feeding, caressing, and weeping over Arian, who snorted his tenderness snorts and licked her hands with object devotion, almost as if he knew they were going to part vixen thought last of all came the parting with her mother vixen had postponed this with an aching dread of a scene in which she might perchance lose her temper and be betrayed into bitter utterances that she would afterwards repent with useless tears she had spoken the truth to her stepfather when she told him that she held her mother blameless yet the fact that she had but the smallest share in that mother's heart was cruelly patent to her it was nearly four o'clock in the afternoon when pauline came to violet's room with a message from mrs winstanley she had been very ill all the morning pauline informed miss tempest suffering severely from nervous headache and obliged to lie in a darkened room Even now she was barely equal to seeing anyone. Then she had better not see me, said Vixen icily. I can write her a little note to say goodbye. Perhaps it would be just as well. Tell Mama that I will write Pauline. Pauline departed with this message and returned in five minutes with a distressed visage. Oh, miss, she exclaimed. Your message quite upset your poor Mama. She said how could she and began to get almost hysterical and those hysterical fits end in such fearful headaches i will come at once said vixen mrs winstanley was lying on a sofa near an open window the spanish blinds lowered to exclude the afternoon sunshine the perfume of the gardens floating in upon the soft summer air a tiny teapot and cup and saucer on a japanese tray showed that the invalid had been luxuriating in her favorite stimulant there were vases of flowers about the room and an all-pervading perfume and coolness a charm half sensuous half aesthetic violet how could you send me such a message remonstrated the invalid fretfully dear mamma i did not want to trouble you I know how you shrink from all painful things, and you and I could hardly part without pain as we are parting today. Would it not have been better to avoid any farewell? If you had any natural affection, you would never have suggested such a thing. Then perhaps I have never had any natural affection, answered Vixen, with subdued bitterness, or only "'so small a stock that it ran out early in my life "'and left me cold and hard and unloving. "'I am sorry we are parting like this, Mamma. "'I am still more sorry that you could not spare me "'a little of the regard which you have bestowed "'so lavishly upon a stranger.' "'Violet, how can you?' sobbed her mother. "'To accuse me of withholding my affection from you "'when I have taken such pains with you "'from your very cradle?' i am sure your frocks from the day you were short-coated were my constant care and when you grew a big lanky girl who would have looked odious in commonplace clothes it was my delight to invent picturesque and becoming costumes for you i have spent hours poring over books of prints, studying vandyke and sir peter Laleigh and i have let you wear some of my most valuable lace and as for indulgence of your whims pray when have i ever thwarted you in anything forgive me mama cried vixen penitently she divined dimly even in the midst of that flood of bitter feeling in which her young soul was overwhelmed that mrs winstanley had been a good mother according to her lights the tree had borne such fruit as was natural to its kind. Pray forgive me. You have been good and kind and indulgent, and we should have gone on happily together to the end of the chapter if fate had been kinder. It's no use your talking of fate in that way, Violet, retorted her mother, captiously. I know you mean Conrad. Perhaps I do, Mama. But don't let us talk of him any more. We should never agree about him you and he can be quite happy when i am gone poor dear trusting innocent-minded mamma cried vixen kneeling by her mother's chair and putting her arms round her ever so tenderly may your path or life be smooth and strewn with flowers when i am gone if captain winstanley does not always treat you kindly he will be a greater scoundrel than i think him but he has always been kind to you has he not mamma "'You are not hiding any sorrow of yours from me?' asked Vixen, fixing her great brown eyes on her mother's face with earnest inquiry. She had assumed the maternal part. She seemed an anxious mother questioning her daughter. "'Kind to me,' echoed Mrs. Winstanley. "'He has been all goodness. We have never had a difference of opinion since we were married.' "'No, Mama, because you always defer to his opinion.' Is not that my duty when i know how clever and far-seeing he is frankly dear mother are you as happy with this new husband of yours so wise and far-seeing and determined to have his own way in everything as you were with my dear indulgent easy-tempered father pamela when stanley burst into a passion of tears how can you be so cruel she exclaimed who can give back the past or the freshness and brightness of one's youth of course i was happier with your dear father than i can ever be again it is not in nature that it should be otherwise how could you be so heartless as to ask me such a question she dried her tears slowly and was not easily comforted it seemed as if that speech of violets had touched a spring that opened a fountain of grief this means that mamma is not happy with her second husband in spite of her praises of him thought vixen she remained kneeling by her mother's side comforting her as best she could until mrs winstanley had recovered from the wound her daughter's heedless words had inflicted and then violet began to say good-bye you will write to me sometimes won't you mamma and tell me how the dear old place is going on and about the old people who die dear familiar white heads that i shall never see again and the young people who get married and the babies that are born you will write often won't you mamma yes dear as often as my strength will allow you might even get pauline to write to me sometimes to tell me how you are and what you are doing that would be better than nothing "'Pauline shall write when I am not equal to holding a pen,' sighed Mrs. Winstanley. "'And, dear mamma, if you can prevent it, don't let any more of the old servants be sent away. "'If they drop off one by one, home will seem like a strange place at last. "'Remember how they loved my dear father, how attached and faithful they have been to us? "'They are like our own flesh and blood.' i should never willingly part with servants who know my ways violet but as to bates's dismissal there are some things i had rather not discuss with you i am sure that conrad acted for the best and from the highest motives do you know anything about this place to which i am going mamma asked vixen letting her mother's last speech pass without comment or the lady who is to be my duenna. Your future has been fully discussed between Conrad and me, Violet. He tells me that the old Jersey Manor House, Les Terrells, it is called, is a delightful place, one of the oldest seats in Jersey, and Miss Skipwith, to whom it belongs, is a well-informed, conscientious old lady, very religious, I believe, so you will have to guard against your sad habit of speaking lightly about sacred things, my dear Violet. Do you intend me to live there forever, Mama? Forever? What a foolish question. In six years, you will be of age and your own mistress. Six years. Six years in a Jersey Manor house with a pious old lady. Don't you think that would seem very much like forever, Mama? Asked Vixen gravely. My dear Violet, neither Conrad nor I want to banish you from your natural home. We only want you to learn wisdom when mister Vaudrey is married and when you have learnt to think more kindly of my dear husband that last change will never happen to me, mamma. I should have to die and be born again first, and even then I think my dislike of Captain Winstanley is so strong that purgatorial fires would hardly burn it out. No, mamma, we had better say good bye without any forecast of the future let us forget all that is sad in our parting and think we are only going to part for a little while many a time in after days did violet tempest remember those last serious words of hers the rest of her conversation with her mother was about trifles the trunks and bonnet boxes she was to carry with her the dresses she was to wear in her exile of course in a retired old house in jersey with an elderly maiden lady you will not see much society said mrs winstanley but miss skipwith must know people no doubt the best people in the island and i should not like you to be shabby are you really positive that you have dresses enough to carry you over next winter this last question was asked with deepest solemnity more than enough mamma and do you think your last winter's jacket will do excellently i'm very glad of that said her mother with a sigh of relief for i have an awful bill of theodora's hanging over my head i have been paying her sums on account ever since your poor papa's death and you know that is never quite satisfactory all that one has paid hardly seems to make any difference in the amount due at the end don't worry yourself about your bill mamma. "'Let it stand over till I come of age, and then I can help you pay it. "'You are very generous, dear, but Theodore would not wait so long, even for me. "'Be sure you take plenty of wraps for the steamer. "'Summer nights are often chilly.' "'Vixen thought of last night, and the long straight ride through the pine wood, "'the soft-scented air, the young moon shining down at her, and Rory by her side. "'Ah, when should she ever know such a summer night as that again?' sit down in this low chair by me and have a cup of tea dear said mrs winstanley growing more affectionate as the hour of parting drew nearer let us have kettle drum together for the last time till you come back to us for the last time Mamma," echoed violet sadly she could not imagine any possible phase of circumstances that would favor her return could she come back to see roderick vaudrey happy with his wife assuredly not could she school herself to endure life under the roof that sheltered conrad winstanley a thousand times no coming home was something to be dreamt about when she lay asleep in a distant land but it was a dream that never could be realized she must make herself a new life somehow among new people the old life died today she sat and sipped her tea and listened while her mother talked cheerfully of the future and even pretended to agree but her heart was heavy as lead an hour was dawdled away thus and then when mrs winstanley began to think about dressing for dinner vixen went off to finish her packing she excused herself from going down to dinner on the plea or having so much to do you could send me up something please mamma she said I am sure you and Captain Win Stanley will dine more pleasantly without me. I shall see you for a minute in the hall before I start. You must do as you please, dear, replied her mother. I hardly feel equal to going down to dinner myself, but it would not be fair to let Conrad eat a second meal in solitude, especially when we are to be parted for two or three days, and he is going across the sea. I shall not have a minute's rest tonight, thinking of you both." sleep happily dear mother and leave us to providence the voyage cannot be perilous in such weather as this said vixen with assumed cheerfulness Two hours later, the carriage was at the door and Violet Tempest was ready to start. Her trunks were on the roof of the brougham, her dressing bag and traveling desk and wraps were stowed away inside. Argus was by her side, his collar provided with a leather strap by which she could hold him when necessary. Captain Winstanley was smoking a cigar on the porch. Mrs. Winstanley came weeping out of the drawing room and hugged her daughter silently violet returned the embrace but said not a word till just at the last dear mother she whispered earnestly never be unhappy about me let me bear the blame of all that has gone amiss between us you had better be quick miss tempest if you want to be in time for the boat said the captain from the porch i am quite ready answered vixen calmly phoebe was at the carriage door tearful and in everybody's way but pretending to help argus was sent up to the box where he sat beside the coachman with much gravity of demeanor having first assured himself that his mistress was inside the carriage mrs winstanley stood in the porch kissing her hand and so the strong big horses bore the carriage away Through the dark shrubberies between banks of shadowy foliage out into the forest road which was full of ghosts at this late hour and would have struck terror to the hearts of any horses unaccustomed to its sylvan mysteries they drove through lyndhurst where the twinkling little lights in the shop windows were being extinguished by envious shutters and where the shopkeepers paused in their work of extinction to stare amazedly at the passing carriage. Not that a carriage was a strange apparition in Lyndhurst, but because the inhabitants had so little to do except stare. Anon they came to Bolton's Bench, beneath a cluster of pine trees on a hilly bit of common, and then the long straight road to Southampton lay before them in the faint moonshine, with boggy levels, black firs bushes and a background of wood on either side violet sat looking steadily out of the window watching every bit of the road how could she tell when she would see it again or if ever save in sad regretful dreams they mounted the hill from whose crest vixen took one last backward look at the wide wild land that lay behind them a look of ineffable love and longing and then she threw herself back in the carriage and gave herself up to gloomy thought there was nothing more that she cared to see they had entered the tame dull world of civilization they drove through the village of illing where lights burned dimly here and there in upper windows they crossed the slow meandering river at redbridge already the low line of lights in southampton city began to shine faintly in the distance violet shut her eyes and let the landscape go by suburban villas suburban gardens on a straight road beside a broad river with very little water in it there was nothing here to regret it was past eleven when they drove under the old bar and through the high street of southampton the town seemed strange to vixen at this unusual hour the church clocks were striking the quarter down by the docks everything had a gray and misty look sky and water indistinguishable there lay the jersey boat snorting and puffing amidst the dim grayness captain winstanley conducted his charge to the ladies cabin with no more words than were positively necessary they had not spoken once during the drive from the abbey house to southampton ''I think you had better stay down here till the vessel has started at any rate,'' said the captain. ''There will be so much bustle and confusion on deck. I'll take care of your dog.'' ''Thanks,'' answered Vixen meekly. ''Yes, I'll stay here. You need not trouble yourself about me.'' ''Shall I send you something? A cup of tea? The wing of a chicken? A little wine and water? Mm, ''No, thanks. I don't care about anything.'' the captain withdrew after this to look after the luggage and to secure his own berth the stewardess received violet as if she had known her all her life showed her the couch allotted to her and to secure which the captain had telegraphed that morning from lyndhurst it was lucky your good gentleman took the precaution to telegraph mum said the cordial stewardess the boats are always crowded at this time of the year and the fanny is such a favorite the cabin was wide and lofty and airy quite an exceptional thing in ladies cabins but presently there came a troop of stout matrons with their olive branches all cross and sleepy and dazed at finding themselves in a strange place at an unearthly hour there was the usual sprinkling of babies and most of the babies cried one baby was afflicted with unmistakable whooping-cough and was a source of terror to the mothers of all the other babies there was a general opening of handbags and distribution of buns biscuits and sweeties for the comfort and solace of this small fry milk was imbibed noisily out of mysterious bottles some of them provided with gutta percha tubes which made the process of refreshment look like laying on gas vixen turned her back upon the turmoil and listened to the sad sea waves plashing lazily against the side of the boat she wondered what rory was doing at this midnight hour did he know yet that she was gone vanished out of his life forever no he could hardly have heard of her departure yet awhile swiftly as all tidings traveled in that rustic world of the forest had he made up his mind to keep faith with lady mabel had he forgiven vixen for refusing to abet him in treachery against his affianced poor rory sighed the girl i think we might have been happy together And then she remembered the days of old, when Mr. Vaudrey was free, and when it had never dawned upon his slow intelligence that his old playfellow, Violet Tempest, was the one woman in all this wide world who had the power to make his life happy. "'I think he thought lightly of me because of all our foolishness when he was a boy,' mused Vixen. "'I seemed to him less than other women, because of those old sweet memories, instead of more.' It was a dreary voyage for Violet Tempest, a kind of maritime purgatory. The monotonous thud of the engine, the tramping of feet overhead, the creaking and groaning of the vessel, the squalling babies, the fussy mothers, the dreadful people who could not travel from Southampton to Jersey on a calm summer night without exhibiting all the honors of seasickness. Vixen thought of the sufferings of poor black human creatures in the Middle Passage, "'of the ghastly terrors, of a mutiny, of a ship on fire, "'of the ancient mariner on his slimy sea, "'when the very deep did rot, O Christ, that ever this should be. "'Yea, slimy things did crawl with legs upon the slimy sea. "'She wondered in her weary soul whether these horrors "'which literature had made familiar to her "'were much worse than the smart white and gold cabin "'of the good ship Fanny.' filled to overflowing with the content of half a dozen nurseries. Towards daybreak, there came a lull. The crossest of the babies had exhausted its capacity for making its fellow creatures miserable. The seasick mothers and nurses had left off groaning and starting convulsively from their pillows, with wild shrieks for the stewardess, and had sunk into troubled slumbers vixen turned her back upon the dreadful scene dimly lighted by flickering oil lamps like those that burn before saintly shrines in an old french cathedral and shut her eyes and tried to lose herself in the tangled wilderness of sleep but to-night that blessed refuge of the unhappy was closed against her the calm angel of sleep would have nothing to do with the soul so troubled she could only lie staring at the porthole which stared back at her like a giant's dark angry eye and waiting for morning morning came at last with the skirmishing toilets of the children fearful struggles for brushes and combs towel fights perpetual clamor for missing pieces of soap a great deal of talk about strings and buttons and a chorus of crying babies then stole through the stuffy atmosphere savory odors of breakfast the fumes of coffee, fried bacon, grilled fish. Sloppy-looking cups of tea were administered to the sufferers of last night. The yellow sunshine filled the cabin. Vixen made a hasty toilet and hurried up to the deck. Here all was glorious, a vast world of sunlit water. No sign yet of rock-bound island above the white-crested waves. The steamer might have been in the midst of the Atlantic. Captain Win Stanley was on the bridge, smoking his morning cigar. He gave Violet a cool nod, which she returned as coolly. She found a quiet corner where she could sit and watch the waves slowly rising and falling, the white foam crest slowly gathering, the light spray dashing against the side of the boat, the cataract of white roaring water leaping from the swift paddle wheel and melting into a long track of foam. By and by they came to Guernsey which looked grim and military and not particularly inviting even in the morning sunlight that picturesque island hides her beauties from those who only behold her from the sea here there was an exodus of passengers and of luggage and an invasion of natives with baskets of fruit vixen bought some grapes and peaches of a female native in a cap whose patois was the funniest perversion of french and english imaginable And then a bell rang clamorously and there was a general stampede and the gangway was pulled up and the vessel was steaming gaily towards Jersey while vixen sat eating grapes and looking dreamily skyward and wondering whether her mother was sleeping peacefully under the dear old abbey house roof undisturbed by any pang of remorse for having parted with an only child so lightly. End of volume three, chapter one, part one. Recording by Candice Dullick, Dallas, Texas.